Welcome to the Ashley T. Lee Podcast, and here is Ashley. Thanks for joining me. Today we'll cover Mark 9, which details the transfiguration of Christ. Then the disciples are unsuccessful healing the boy with a mute evil spirit. But hello, Jesus fixes it for them. Then the disciples get in a dispute about who will be the greatest in the kingdom. I guess some got a little jealous that Peter, James, and John got to go up to the mountain with Jesus for the transfiguration, and they didn't get to go. And then when they might have later asked what happened on the mountain, Peter, James, and John couldn't tell them. That could definitely raise a stink among close friends and relatives, right? Listen to hear about the interesting details in Mark 9. 1. Transfiguration of Jesus Christ Jesus begins Mark 9 with a curious statement that has been misinterpreted throughout the ages. He said, Assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Who was Jesus talking about here? Well, it was Peter, James, and John, since they were about to witness a taste of the kingdom of God in the transfiguration. But what was the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God was not the same as the kingdom of heaven that Jesus has been describing in the book of Matthew. That's because the kingdom of heaven was a particular phrase used by Matthew meaning the millennial kingdom of the thousand-year reign of Christ. The kingdom of heaven, therefore, will not last forever, and there will be people there who will have to be weeded out after a thousand years. Yes, there will be ones born during the millennium who don't decide to believe in Jesus. Doesn't that seem impossible? But it's going to be true. It doesn't seem possible that they could see Jesus every year in Jerusalem and still not believe in him. Well, when Satan is let loose after a thousand years, he will wreak havoc on the ones born with a sinful nature. But shortly after, Jesus will send Satan away to hell forever. Then the kingdom of God will come down from heaven as described in Revelation 21. Here's a sample, but please go read it all. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them and God. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. You see, the same John who wrote the book of Revelation witnessed the transfiguration of Christ. Yes, he, James, and Peter were all there. The transfiguration was a preview of this kingdom of God to come. Isaiah had a taste of it in Isaiah 6, where it says, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings, and the whole earth is full of his glory. And John saw a preview in Patmos covered in Revelation 4, saying, One sat on the throne, and he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardis stone, and there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. The transfiguration was equally as spectacular, and Jesus shone so brightly that he was whiter than any clothes could ever be, and the snow on Mount Hermon couldn't shine as white as Jesus did. That's where it took place, Mount Hermon. 
This is the most beautiful mountain in Palestine. Mount Hermon bordered Palestine northeast of Israel. Even in the heat of the summer, there would be snow there. Anyway, the snow was a good backdrop to compare the snowy whiteness of Jesus' transfiguration. The Greek word used here was metamorpho, which is where our word metamorphosis comes from. And of course, that means to change form or appearance. Because the interesting part about Jesus is that he was a normal-looking man, but he metamorphosis during the transfiguration to reveal the glory of God. Jesus changed to the glowing, glorious Christ for just the inner circle to see. The downfall was that the other disciples were later confused and wanted to know where they stood in the future kingdom. Think about if you were not included in something exciting like going up to the mountain with the Messiah. You see, Jesus only asked three of the twelve to go with him. I mean, step inside the shoes of the other nine who didn't go up to Mount Hermon. They would want to hear what happened, but Peter, James, and John couldn't tell them since Jesus said not to speak a word about it. Now let's take a minute to explore the events at the Transfiguration, starting in Mark 9, 2. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining, exceedingly white like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. And a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. Suddenly, when they had looked around, they saw no one anymore, but only Jesus with themselves. Here are a few interesting things to outline about the transfiguration. One is to look at why Moses and Elijah. Well, Moses represented the law, but there's something else. Moses died and God buried him on Mount Nebo. So he died and was buried, just like all the saved believers who we all once knew and they died. We know, according to 1 Thessalonians, that those who are buried will rise first to meet Jesus in the air once the rapture of the church occurs. Moses' presence at the transfiguration represents the dead who will rise. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So Moses was represented at this transfiguration for those reasons. Then there's Elijah. Elijah represented the prophets, since he came in the Old Testament to lead the way for Jesus' arrival. Elijah didn't die, but was caught up in a chariot of fire, so he's still alive today in heaven. Elijah represents the saved believers who will be alive when Jesus comes to rapture the church. They will be raptured after the dead in Christ rise. 1 Thessalonians 4 continues, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Many think that the two witnesses in Revelation will be Moses and Elijah, but then others believe Elijah and Enoch, since neither of them died but were taken up by God. In Revelation, the two witnesses will die in the street, so it definitely makes logical sense that the two people in the Bible who didn't die and are both alive in heaven today 
might come back during the tribulation to die for the first time and then rise up to heaven again. Then there's another topic to discuss about the transfiguration. Why were Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus and what was it about? Luke seems to tell in Luke 9.31, saying, And behold, two men talked with him, who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. So it appears that they were talking to Jesus about his crucifixion and details of his death. But funny thing, Peter seemed to be jibber-jabbering, so didn't notice the depth of the topic shared with Jesus about all the future suffering and trials of taking on every sin of man while Jesus would be on the cross. Instead, Peter just said, let's stay here and make three tabernacles, as if he could put Moses and Elijah on the same level as Jesus. No, no, Jesus is the creator of the universe. Elijah and Moses cannot even be compared to Jesus. So that's why God spoke, reminding Peter, James, and John that Jesus was the Messiah. Here's what God said to them. This is my beloved son. Hear him. And to make sure that Peter, James, and John stood at attention to hear God, he overshadowed them with a cloud. Remember the brightness of Christ we talked about at the Transfiguration? Imagine the sky being so bright and the amazement being so significant and then darkness overshadowed by a cloud. That would wake them up for sure. Seems like Peter had to learn who was in charge at the Transfiguration to prepare him for future starting of the church. It wouldn't be easy to start the church, and there would be daily battles and struggles for Peter to face, so he had to be prepared. Then when the Transfiguration was over, it was just Jesus, Peter, James, and John. Have you ever had a mountaintop experience with God? Isn't it difficult to come down? I remember many times that I fasted and prayed. I was so on top of the mountain, filling my mind with the words of God. And then once the fast was over, it seemed like going back to the mundane daily life in the world was such a downfall. I wanted to get back up on that mountain. But through the years, God has taught me how to escape to have little mountaintop experiences each day. Bottom line, when life gets hectic, I clamor for quiet times in God's Word. Pray that you can drink in the Word in order to hide it in your heart for special mountaintop times with God. Keep imagining the brightness of the glory of Christ that's shown on Mount Hermon. Those thoughts will make your life on earth tolerable and will help you keep your eyes fixed on Christ. 2. Coming Down from the Mountain Now that the excitement was over with the transfiguration, Jesus told them, Tell no one the things they had seen till the Son of Man has risen from the dead. So they kept the word to themselves, questioning what the rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, saying, Why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Then he answered and told them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and restores all things. And how is it written concerning the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I say to you that Elijah has also come, and they did to him whatever they wished, as it is written of him. You know, Jesus had already warned all the disciples that he was to be killed. But Peter was rebuked by Jesus when he said, Satan, get behind me. And the others just didn't get it, even though Jesus had given them many reminders. The only one who seemed to get it that Jesus was going to die on the cross was Mary of Bethany. John 12 tells us, then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, 
anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with fragrance of the oil. But after that happened, some of the disciples rebuked her, saying, Why use this expensive oil that could be used for the poor? Jesus corrected them, saying, Let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, but me you do not always have. Jesus was rebuking them, hoping they would understand what the rising of the dead meant so they would be ready for his crucifixion. Mary seemed to get it, but the other followers didn't get it until after Jesus rose from the dead. Then you heard the subject of Elijah brought up. This was not even referring to Elijah, but it was John the Baptist. Malachi 4.5 says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. This meant that John the Baptist would come in the spirit of Elijah to call the nation back to God before it was announced that Christ would have his ministry start. In Matthew eleven fourteen, Jesus says, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent will take it by force. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. So Jesus just confirmed that John the Baptist was Elijah in spirit. But it was so hard for the disciples to understand this because many of them believed the Messiah would have a glamorous palace on earth by the world's standards. Yes, he is described that way, But that's after the second coming, when the millennial kingdom is set up. But for now, Jesus will fulfill prophecies like Psalm 22, 69, and Isaiah 53, and Zechariah 13 that outline the suffering servant, the suffering Christ. How about you? Do you suffer? Do you get treated harshly and feel overlooked at times? Don't be alarmed and don't be sad because Jesus, the Messiah, the king of the universe, was called crazy by his family in his hometown, grabbed him and tried to throw him off a cliff. Then the Jewish leaders accused Jesus of having a demon. They refused to listen to him. And of course, every prophet who came to tell the world about the coming of Jesus was rejected. Many of them were dressed in rags and ate locusts and honey and wandered through the wilderness. So if you ever feel mistreated, Stop to pray and thank God that you experience things like Jesus experienced. The sorrow you feel is the sorrow Jesus felt. That makes you more like Jesus, which is actually a victory. So stop and praise God and begin to feel better about yourself. It works, believe me. 3. Dispute among the disciples and Jesus heals a young boy. Now that Jesus, Peter, James, and John made it down the mountain, The scribes from the Jewish synagogues were disputing with them. Here's what Mark 9 says. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them, the scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him greeted him. Like I said earlier, it's hard to come down from such a glorious mountain experience to the iron grip of Satan in the world. The world challenges and mocks and wars with us if we serve Christ. But the people here flocked to Jesus and were greatly amazed. 
we can just imagine that maybe Jesus was still glowing a bit, left over from the transfiguration. But what was the dispute over? Mark 9 continues to tell us. And he asked the scribes, What are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son, and he has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams in the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. You know, this father knew what to do. Go to Jesus. He had the right idea going to the disciples because Jesus wasn't around. But then when they couldn't help the boy, the scribes put their dirty little noses in the middle to make it a fuss. But fortunately, Jesus showed up to help. Think for a minute about this poor man. His young son, maybe a toddler, had been suffering so much. Aren't demons wicked and awful? They have no regard for anyone. Why would they pick on a helpless infant? Has your infant ever suffered? It's so heartbreaking when something happens to them. But this was the ultimate attack from a demon. Not only did this demon cause the child not to speak, but he went so far as to throw him down, causing him to foam at the mouth, gnash his teeth, and get stiff. Then Mark continues telling us what else the wicked demon did to this child when he was brought to Jesus. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. What a sad scene. Due to this child's forced actions by the demon, people probably avoided him and his father. But Jesus had compassion on them. And he had extra patience with the father when he said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And then immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Can you relate to that? This is how I felt with my kids when they have their eczema. They'll get better and then, oh no, it's back. But Jesus has compassion and he'll use every circumstance to teach us. So we can't lose hope. He assured this father not to lose hope, even though his situation was hopeless in his mind. Mark ends saying about this boy, When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, the disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Think about it. When Jesus' disciples couldn't heal the boy, he said, O oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. The disciples couldn't heal the boy, but Jesus could, and he was on earth to teach them how to heal so they could launch the church. You see, time was getting short because Jesus knew he wouldn't be there much longer. He was making a demonstration over the unbelief that can show up even in the most dedicated follower of Christ. Have you had unbelief at times? When you get that way, make sure to stop and pray asking God to help you with your unbelief. 
ask God, what are you trying to teach me? You know, many times when this happens to people, they struggle so much and they just turn to drugs and alcohol, not wanting to deal with it. But we really do need to stop and say, God, I'm going through something stressful. Please help me understand what you're trying to teach me. And if we went to drugs and alcohol, we could never, ever learn what he was trying to teach us. Our worry doesn't do anybody any good. So we need to capture these stressful, worrisome thoughts and turn them into prayers to make it to God's throne. Then we can be patient and learn from our struggles. This particular father did believe, and Jesus was so faithful to heal his precious son. Supposedly, there are different types of demons, and this particular demon was especially daring and demonic to pick on a little boy like this. I mean, listen to the way the demon messed with this boy in front of Jesus. Mark 9.20 said, Once they brought the boy to Jesus, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Remember demons in the past? They were usually afraid of Jesus, like with Legion begging Jesus not to send them out of their assigned town. But this demon could care less about Jesus, the Messiah. He was brought to Jesus while possessing the little boy and showed his demonic ways by trying to mess with him in front of the Christ. It was obvious to everyone that this was not an ordinary demon, which probably made the disciples feel a little better about not being able to cast out the demon. But what a sad childhood for this boy, being burned and drowned all the time, and the agony of the father. He even said to Jesus, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Well, Jesus was sure to throw that father's if away to cure this child. Jesus told him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So do you believe? Also, do you believe all things are possible with Christ? Make sure to stay digging in the Word of God to help your unbelief. The disciples learned a huge lesson on belief that day, and we as believers need to keep learning also. Well, we didn't make it all the way through Mark 9 today, but we'll pick up next time to finish it off and get closer to the crucifixion of Christ. So I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for the Ashley T. Lee Podcast. This podcast was produced by Bob Sloan Audio Productions. And to find out more about Ashley, go to ashleytlee.com. If you would like to help or contribute to Ashley T. Lee Ministries, click on contact at ashleytlee.com.